0: This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Wiser Books. Wiser Books is celebrating 60 years of publishing the very best in occult and esoterica. You can check out their extensive and inspiring range of reading material by going to wiserbooks.com. That's W-E-I-S-E-R books.com. Calling all witches, moon lovers, and magic makers, the 2020 edition of the Many Moons Lunar Planner is now available from Modern Women. Next year's astrology is intense to say the least, but the Many Moons Lunar Planner is here to help. This magical offering includes original spells for each new and full moon of the year, ritual suggestions, unique tarot spreads as well as self-help and development journaling prompts to aid you in your evolution and healing as you take on the new year. It is also gorgeously designed and written by Sarah Godestiner. This one-of-a-kind planner is for witches looking to remain centered as they thrive and grow through 2020 and beyond. Go to modernwomen.bigcartel.com to buy yours before they sell out or click the link in the show notes. Again, that's modernwomen.bigcartel.com to order the 2020 edition of the Many Moons Lunar Planner today. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Witch Wave. I've missed you and I'm so happy to be back and just in time for Halloween. The past few months have been jam-packed since my book, Waking the Witch, came out. I've gotten to do events all over the country and the best part of that was getting to meet so many of you while I was on the road. Thank you to those of you who turned up and brought your kind and shining selves and friends and family members. It was so wonderful crossing paths with you. I was also up in Canada for a few days because I can finally announce that I've been consulting on the reboot of The Craft. And that's been really, really fun. And I'm also happy to announce that our Witch Wave shop is now finally up and running. And available there now so far is our official Witch Wave tote bag. It is so beautiful. It has the Witch Wave catchphrase, Witches are the future, on it. And I think it's going to help you carry all of your magical items wherever you need to go and look super stylish while you're doing it. And we also stuck in a bunch of signed books. So if you are looking for Waking the Witch or my earlier comic book that I did with Tin Can Forest, What is a Witch? With my signature on it, you can now get those too. So there's been a lot going on. But now I'm finally back home just in time for Samhain or Halloween or All Souls or Day of the Dead or whatever your preferred term is for this holy day when they say the veil is thinnest and we can speak with our dearly departed. Now, I often talk about Samhain as a rather solemn or at least contemplative pagan holiday. It's when we light our candles and say thank you to our ancestors and ask them for protection and guidance. A lot of us also do some sort of divination like tarot because messages seem to come through more clearly at this time. And there are also some years when I've been part of what's called a dumb supper or silent supper, where we leave food out for our spirits and feast without speaking in honor of them. But let's be honest, Halloween is also a ton of fun, and I absolutely participate in that too. I watch scary movies, eat candy, and on some years, I dress up. There are varying explanations for why people wear costumes or masks for this holiday. Some say it's because this is the time when the dead walk the earth and that they expect some sort of payment from us humans so that we stay on their good side. So our Halloween disguises then are supposed to either scare them away or at least trick them into thinking we're one of their kind so they don't pester us too much. There's also a theory that by dressing up like them and tricking one another, we can then collect those spirit payoffs ourselves in the form of tasty treats. But regardless of the reasons, what's clear is that when we allow ourselves to take on another identity, we can feel freer and less constrained. Psychologists call this the disinhibition effect. Some say we even take on the energies and aspects of the beings we embody, which is why in magical rituals and in theater and other performances, masks, costumes, and alter egos are often employed. In an Eon article titled Possessed by a Mask, author Sandra Newman writes, Quote, The self might just be an agglomeration of masks, of all the roles we play, including the roles we play in private fantasies. A personal Mardi Gras that parades multifariously through our lives." I've been thinking a lot about the ways in which alter egos can be both negative, as with people who post vile comments under anonymous avatars online, or positive, such as masked activists like the Zapatistas, Pussy Riot, the Gorilla Girls, and of course, the newly resurrected feminist group, Witch. On a related note, so many musicians I admire have used alternative identities. Bowie had loads of them, like Ziggy Stardust and The Thin White Duke. Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. And, as you'll hear in a few moments, my guest today, musician Chelsea Wolfe, revealed to me that she also uses elements of adornment and ritual to tap into an on-stage persona that's more fearless and ferocious than she tends to be in her daily life. We also talk about her technique of channeling songs, the ways she uses place as muse, and the part witchcraft plays In her creative practice. But before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire.
1: Who is it? Witches. Witches.
0: Kylie writes, lately I have been what feels like wandering in the dark. I have always existed in an in-between state of being a witch and a skeptic. And I have always enjoyed dancing on this line. But I'm starting to feel like a ghost, not belonging to either side. I want to trust in the craft, but I really don't know how to give that trust. Do you have any advice on following through with this leap of faith? Hi Kylie. Magic is a relationship. And that means that the more you give it, the more you'll get out of it. But like any relationship, it's also an ongoing process, which means you can take the time you need to get to know it. So instead of a leap of faith, maybe right now you're just taking tiny steps of faith and that's okay too. But I started this episode talking about how costumes, masks, and alter egos can free us up or allow us to tap into another aspect of ourselves, or perhaps even connect with something outside ourselves. So here's an idea for you. What if, next time you're engaging in your magical practice, you try dressing the part? Put on your most beautiful outfit, the one that makes you feel powerful and enchanting. Maybe wear some exquisite jewelry or even put on a wreath of flowers or a glittering crown. I can't define what a power outfit looks like for you. Maybe in your case, it's cowboy boots or a sharp as a tack tuxedo. But whatever it is, you want it to be different than how you look every day, so that you're plugging into some heightened part of yourself, or maybe even spirit. Maybe you're just plugging into the part of you that can believe in magic, even if it's temporary. Now, I don't know what will happen once you dress the part of a badass witch in whatever style you're drawn to. But if you do so, and then do your spell or ritual, I'm willing to bet that things are gonna get pretty interesting. And whether or not it's all pretend or an actual means for you to bypass your own self-conscious skepticism, I think it'll really, really help. So have fun, feel fabulous, and let me know how it goes. Now, on to my guest. Chelsea Wolf is a musician with six critically acclaimed full-length albums under her belt. Though her sound spans various genres, from goth rock to electronica to folk melancholia, what remains consistent is her romantically dark, witchy vibe and lyrics that seem sprouted from a surreal and mysterious mindscape. Chelsea's gorgeous new album, Birth of Violence, finds her circling back to a relatively quieter shadow sound and has been described as starkly beautiful by the A.V. Club, full of earthly and ethereal wonder by consequence of sound, and a masterwork of gothic Americana by Kerrang! Kerrang! I've been a fan of Chelsea's since her first album, The Grime and the Glow, came out in 2010, so it was a dream come true to get to speak with her. Chelsea joined me from her home in Northern California via Skype. Chelsea Wolf, welcome to the Witch Wave. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so honored that you're here, Chelsea. I'm such a big fan of your music, and the new record, Birth of Violence, might be my favorite one so far. I hope that's okay to say.
1: (laughs) No, that's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Now, The new record, I think, is such a ideal place to start because it touches on a lot of the context of this interview, which is you and I were actually supposed to speak a couple days ago, and then we had to reschedule because of the California wildfires or the anticipation of wildfires. And Mm -hmm. I know environmentalism is a big thread that's running throughout this album. So what kind of headspace were you in when you were approaching these beautiful songs?
1: I mean, honestly, environmentalism is just one of many themes on the album, but I think that's something that I've put into songs on almost every album. Like I have these songs that I think about as love songs to nature. So like, for example, House of Metal on this record, Erda is definitely that the root for earth is actually Erda. That's where that comes from. And it means all dirt. And I just was really drawn to that, like visceral kind of like dirt, Mother Earth and like the beauty of this rich soil and everything like that just really drew me in. So I don't know, I was kind of envisioning myself or a woman just like sitting on the soil and interacting with Mother Earth with her fingers and dirt and just like talking to her and having this conversation about how strange the world is and how feeling bad about how much pollution we've given to her and just the way that we treat her and paralleling that with the way women have been treated over time, like that's kind of a, a running theme of this album as well. So it's kind of a simple song really, but it's meant to feel very like primal and very connected to Mother Earth. Absolutely. And
0: you have a lot of feminine Imagery, I might even say kind of witchy imagery or lyrics that are threaded throughout the new album, too. I'm I'm thinking of a song like The Mother Road, which is the opener where you have a line Mm -hmm. about goddess flesh. And I really appreciate that in your music and particularly in this new album, because I think a lot of times people think of femininity as this, light, swirly, you know, sugar yeah. kind of thing. And yet you approach it with such depth and a great deal of of kind of
1: shadow, too. Yeah. Thank you. I think before I wrote my last album, His I didn't really connect to my own feminine energy very much. Or maybe it was just that like the traditional way of society presenting what's meant to be feminine just like didn't resonate with me very much. So I presented my music and I felt like myself in kind of a more androgynous way. But I think as I got into my 30s and I started working on hispan, like I just, something kind of shifted in me and I felt a lot more connected to the feminine energy in myself and in the world and in nature and just really started exploring that and it became this really like intense, like feral, beautiful, like cyclical thing that I was really embracing for the first time. And, you know, I definitely explored that even more on uh, Birth of Violence for sure
0: yeah His Spun has such a different energy to it Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things I really appreciate about you as an artist is Some of your prior albums have felt more industrial or more doom metal-y. Certainly you've done a lot of beautiful, like, gothic folk songs as well. But you really are able to kind of slither between all of these different sonic landscapes. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you choose how each album is going to feel energetically and musically.
1: Well, I'm probably going to overuse this word in this interview, but (laughs) the word instinct, but I just, I'm a very like instinctual person when it comes to writing music and creating art. So I've always just followed my instincts in that way. And going back to his fun, that one again, felt just very, like I needed to explore this side of myself that I hadn't before. And and so sonically, I wanted it to feel like this exorcism that I kind of felt like I was having, like I was releasing some things and, and really actually doing some like shadow work from my childhood that I hadn't really done before. And that was kind of the beginnings of that through writing those songs. Um, so sometimes like the lyrics start to dictate what the the sound of the record will be just because thematically I want it to kind of like live in the, in a similar world as it does sonically. But sometimes it's fun to like play with contrast as well and do a really quiet song that has really heavy, you know, intense lyrics. I don't know. Again, I guess I've just always followed my instincts. Like when I first started out, it was very much just like trying to find my voice as a musician and taking my old eight track around to different spaces and with different friends and writing these one-off songs. And that became the Grime and the Glow, which was like my, what I consider my first album. And then after that, I put a band together to play songs with me, which kind of shifted the whole feeling. It became a little more rock and roll, having like the traditional band set up. And then you know, eventually my, like I Ben joining with his like synths and keyboards and Juno and that gave it like a more electronic feel and that eventually became Pain Is Beauty. So it's just been these like really natural like bridges into the next record and just like what I'm following in my own sense of self as a person and as an artist that dictates the next record. I really appreciate that though, because I think there are certain
0: artists that feel like they built up an audience and their audience shows up based on a certain expectation of what the Mm -hmm. music is going to be. Whereas with you, it seems like such an act of trust and faith, but also a real instinct to really trust yourself and your own voice and it seems like your audience has either gone with you on that journey or you're expanding to new audience. Do you find that your fans are generally
1: excited that your sound changes so much? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for the most part, you know, I feel so lucky to have such like a supportive audience and I really do feel like that. So many of them have gone on this journey with me and just been really open to like what's coming next whether it's heavy or or you know quieter or louder it's actually cool looking back to what you said before because I've really not always been like the most confident person in general or musically I always kind of felt like I wasn't good enough and I kind of feel like I'm just now starting to like step into my own power but there was that instinct me that me that I always felt comfortable following and I didn't always know like why or where it came from or anything but I just knew that that was something I needed to follow and and that just has really created all of my albums and all of my artwork so
0: I always find it (sighs) Surprising, I guess is the word, when brilliant people, especially brilliant women like yourself, who are so prolific and who have garnered lots of praise. And I mean, for God's sakes, you're like the front woman of bands, like you're a badass. And so to hear that you still sometimes grapple with confidence issues both feels like very relatable and also a
1: little astonishing well I've always found it important to at least try to like step into like a confident place on stage even though that's like in direct contrast to the stage fright that I felt for a really long time and I I still have occasionally I don't know I always wanted the live show and even like some of the imagery and stuff to just feel very like empowering for whoever was into it and was listening or watching and for myself to like be able to really actually lose myself into the music I really had to like you know prepare myself backstage like I started to really think of like getting dressed um and you know putting on makeup and stuff as like putting on this sort of armor for myself so that I could step out and be like a more confident version of myself I think it's pretty obvious in like interviews and stuff like outside of that that I'm a pretty like awkward shy person but I, I actually think that like a lot of my audience has been really sweet and like has really embraced that side of me as well which is really cool
0: But I love that you have that dynamism and I also love that you have the vulnerability to be able to Mm -hmm. talk about that and be honest about that. Because I think there are a lot of people out there who have big, beautiful artwork to make or magic to make, but then they're like, oh. but i'm a little nervous or i have stage fright and so they stop themselves from doing it and yet here Mm -hmm. you are saying that you've figured out some tools and techniques to push through that limitation and you are just such a force on stage and on your records so I, i find that truly inspiring chelsea Oh, thank you. That's really nice. (laughs) Do you have certain rituals that you do for yourself backstage or before you start recording that help you shift your consciousness to get you into that more empowered frame of mind?
1: When it comes to the live show, like I said, a lot of it has to do with just like putting intention into like getting dressed. At first like many things it was very like unconscious like one of the very first shows i played i dressed up as like a victorian widow in mourning with like a long black dress and like a lace veil over my face and i was just kind of doing it just to try it cuz i'd seen it in a book at my friend's house but i found that it like gave me this barrier i don't know it just empowered me to be able to play this show without being as nervous as i was and so i guess i don't know i just kind of understood from that point on that like getting dressed up and finding designers and creators and jewelry makers that I resonate with on a friendship level or a spiritual level, or just like, you know, admiring them as a creator and what they put into their, their art. And like, again, using that as, as armor has really been kind of a ritual for me, but there's also, you know, just simple things like lighting a certain incense that brings me back to like a more magical headspace or more recently meditation has been something that's been really helpful for me to get into a good space of creativity and just like feeling a little more free and open, whether it's for writing or for performing. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to writing songs, I think that's, it's a really different place for me than being on stage, you know? So when it comes to being on stage, it's it's a lot more about like putting this protection around myself in order to be able to go out there and like be this strong strong musician, you know, for like whoever's there that night. Absolutely. I really... Love that. It resonates with me on a whole bunch of
0: levels. First of all, just as someone who's a fan of performance in general, whether it's theater or dance or what have you, I always see parallels between performers and spiritual practitioners in terms of like the ceremonial garb you put on. Like, Mm -hmm. I often dress differently when I'm in ceremony than like right now, where I'm in a, you know, basically a t shirt and jeans just hanging out in my apartment the act of adornment I think is really magical and there's a whole ritual behind that and then when I think about theater and how there was such a tradition of masks and the magic of wearing a mask and how that could help bring down a different energy and help you let go of your own ego and your own limited sense of self and identity and, and allow you to be kind of like a vessel for something else. I don't know that that's what that makes me think of when I hear you talk about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. He just said it a lot more eloquent than I did. So thank you. <laughs> not at all. Not
0: at all. So I want to talk about how this gorgeous new record sounds. It definitely is a bit more acoustic, a bit more, I suppose you could say folk or has like a gothic Americano vibe to it are there other words that I'm missing
1: no I think I think I felt like it had a little bit of Americana in there a little bit of old country influence for sure because that's what I grew up on and your dad was a country musician is that right mm-hmm. yeah he still plays and that just definitely had a big influence on me as a kid because they would do country but they would also do covers of Fleetwood Mac very often and so that became one of the first like really influential sounds for me and vocally Lindsay Buckingham's voice I just really like connected with and visually Stevie Nicks I really connected with so you know I think just being around music in general but especially like Fleetwood Mac and these old country artists like Johnny Cash and you know Tans Van Zandt and Loretta Lynn and stuff That that was a very big influence on me from a young age and has really always stuck with me even though I've never play like specifically country music there's always like a little bit of it in there for me absolutely
0: and when I was younger I used to think I didn't like country music just because I wasn't listening to the right stuff <laughs> and right. as I've gotten yeah. older I've realized like there's so much pathos and heartbreak and romance and in, in a lot of country music too And and that certainly shines through especially on this new record
1: yeah I think so like the essence of country music is just like honest storytelling and a lot of that is you know about heartbreak and about hard times and I've always wanted to put that in my music as well like really reflect reality and show the the hard times as well as the beautiful times and how they balance each other out absolutely absolutely well I want to talk
0: more in depth about how you created the new record we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back I've spoken many times before about how Joseph Campbell and his writings on mythology have influenced my life, and that's why I'm so excited to introduce this online course by Dr. Oristano, and that course is called Healing the Hero Foundations. The course's purpose is to help you forge unconventional courage in the face of trauma using the model of Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey as a guide. This foundational course will walk you through the departure, initiation, and return stages of the monomyth, providing practical tools at each stage to help you heal through empowerment and clarity. This course is accessed online through Dr. Oristano's website, waterandbone.com. Or you can find out more about it on her Instagram, which is at dr.oristano. And lucky Witchwave listeners now get 20% off the initial price with code WITCH. So go to that website, waterandbone.com, use offer code WITCH for 20% off, and sign up for Dr. Oristano's Healing the Hero Foundations course today. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Chelsea Wolfe. So Chelsea, we're talking about your stunning new record, Birth of Violence. And I want to dive in a bit deeper to talk about how you write songs and what your process is like. Let's start with the title of the album. Did that come to you early or did that kind of come to you as a punctuation after it was all done?
1: Well, it was a song title before it was the album title. And a lot of the lyrics to that song really came to me in a space where I felt like I was channeling from somewhere else, which I do a lot while I'm writing. And then I sort of later look back at it and translate it and edit it and, you know, make sure it's saying something that feels really rooted in honesty and in self. But yeah, that line, Birth of Violence, stood out to me and I was just kind of wondering where it came from and what it meant. Sometimes when I'm stuck on a word. I'll just look in one of my old dictionaries, you know, look, look the word up and and see what it says there. Cause sometimes we will have these funny old (laughs) definitions there that aren't on the ones that you find on the internet or whatever. But, um, one of the definitions for the word violence was strength of emotion. And I just thought that that was more subtle and more poetic. It just instantly made me think about like a woman fighting back against the brutality that she's had to endure, you know, that her ancestors have had to endure it made me think of like a field of poppies and violent bloom, you know, like birth of violence became something totally different to me than, you know, what maybe someone else might just think of looking at that phrase. And I was worried that it would be misunderstood, but I think as an artist, sometimes we had to sort of take that risk and make the statement that we're making and confidently like go forward with it. And, The album was definitely like asking to be called Birth of Violence after a while. Any other title that I tried wasn't working. So I went ahead with it. And I think that it kind of worked out really well with the the album cover as well, um, which I think could also be misconstrued. But, you know, if you're looking at it from a view of feminine energy and a woman stepping into her power and ready to fight back, even if it's not in like a particularly violent way obviously in the witchcraft community, people will understand that like a dagger isn't necessarily something that's used to draw blood. You know what I mean? It's a tool that's used in different ways and that's where I'm going with that. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I think of a dagger as being associated with the element of air, which Mm -hmm. is about discernment and inspiration and thinking and communication. So it's a really, really powerful image. And I love how you're kind of deconstructing the notion of violence because absolutely I think a lot of us think of that as like masculine and also super physical and the way you're Mm -hmm. talking about it feels feminine and spiritual too Mm -hmm. and and that's really really fascinating so when you were talking a moment ago about where the songs come from or where words come from it sounds like you're channeling or letting yourself be a receiver of some sort does it feel that way when you're writing like what
1: frame of mind are you in
0: what rituals might you have to catch the songs
1: Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, sometimes a whole song will just hit me like a wave, like maybe something I've been studying recently or just thinking on suddenly makes sense and I'll pick up my guitar and this whole song comes out. But I think mainly it's that I write constantly and my one rule is to not ignore any ideas. So even if it's three in the morning and I just want to stay in bed, like I'll get up and I'll work on an idea or at least write something down. I write lyrics down constantly, just when things pop into my head or, you know, if I'm just like singing while I'm taking a walk or something like that, I'll write it down. So once I do have like a musical or melodic idea, I have this sort of store of words and poems and ideas to pull from to like infuse the music with. So once I've written a few songs and I, you know, that I see a sort of pattern like connecting them, that's when I know a new album is brewing. so... It's essentially a process, you know, like, I think at that point I dive even deeper, like I'll either isolate myself in a new place in order to try and like pull something new or something really deep out of me. Sometimes I'll set up like all my gear around me me and like basically be ready to record and then I'll smoke weed or like take mushrooms and see what comes out of that. Mm. I've written a few songs that way, but sometimes I just will meditate and sort of visualize this like light moving through me until I'm like one with the light. And then I'll write in that space, which can be really freeing open. But again, sometimes it just comes out of nowhere, you know, like maybe I'm having drinks with my bandmates or a friend or something. And all of a sudden it's like, I need to go work on the song or like let's go in the garage and jam for a while or something. And you kind of
0: have to just follow it, I guess, then. Do you think the song Mm -hmm. goes away if you don't immediately get up and, and write or play?
1: Well, for me, it, Does because I really don't have like a very good short term memory. (laughs) So, yeah, like I have to write stuff down. Like, I've learned that about myself. If I'm like doing some task, like sweeping the floor or something like that, and I think of song lyrics, like there'll be times when I'm like, oh, I remember that in a minute. And I don't, it just floats out of my head. So, in that way, maybe that's why I feel like it's I'm channeling something as well because it's like it comes to me. And if I don't pay attention to it, it's like it goes away. So, it's strange, but you know, at least I've learned that I have to like follow every idea and not ignore it. Exactly. And it takes a lot of
0: discipline too. And I imagine mm-hmm. like also a lacking in self-consciousness because there are going to be times that maybe socially it, it's like not the best timing for you to excuse yourself, but you've learned to honor your muse, so to speak.
1: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely been times when I'm like at someone else's show or something at the bar. And suddenly I just get these ideas. So I'll type it like in the notes on my phone or something. And someone's trying to talk to me. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, like I have to. <laughs> so it, it can be a little awkward, but it's just I have to do it. Exactly. Now,
0: this new album also, it feels to me very rooted in your home of California. I think of California as having all of these different topographical landscapes Mm -hmm. you know there's desert there's forest there's water it's such an elemental state and i read that you live in the woods now is that right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i live in the mountains in northern california it's
0: basically surrounded by forest yeah So I'm just taking a big guess here, but I would imagine shifting your landscape like that in terms of where you're making a home would end up influencing
1: some of the songs that you're writing too. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, especially now looking back at my different albums and like where I was at that time, I can really see how it inspired, like during Pain is Beauty, like I had moved to LA during that era and I was living in this big old house with a lot of roommates and it was near downtown so there was a lot of people and energies and sounds all the time and almost every night there would be helicopters overhead like shining their lights in our windows oftentimes so a song like Feral Love became like a direct reflection of that I, I wrote just that beat to basically emulate a helicopter and then there was a lot of like desert imagery during that time as well because my manager had a house out in the high desert above LA and I spent a lot of time out there and then When I wrote His Fun, I was working on moving back to Northern California and I was staying with family for a while. So in that way, that that record became kind of influenced by not having my own space and like kind of feeling like a teenager again because I was, you know, just all I had was this bedroom and like my headphones and so I was writing songs like on on the bed and I just felt like, yeah, it totally brought me back to like listening to, to music on my headphones as a kid. You know, Listening to like the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack or something and really finding that sense of escapism there. Oh
0: my god, I love but, you know, that soundtrack so oh, much. Yeah, the
1: best. Me too. It was like definitely most played of my teen years for sure. Oh. But yeah, for Birth of Violence, like I started writing it while we were touring on Hispan, and there was really something nagging in me that I needed to take a break because I just mentally, physically, spiritually was really starting to feel drained and unhealthy and I think my, like, one solace was kind of just finding a quiet place and taking my acoustic guitar, and I started writing these songs that eventually became this album. Yeah, as soon as I started kind of, like, making that conscious decision to take a break, the album started coming together, so it really had this sense of finding a place called home and finding that um, feeling of home. Because I had moved into this house in Northern California in in the mountains about, like, three years ago now, I guess, but I essentially just, like dropped stuff off and left for the next tour so making this record at home was a way for me to kind of like settle in finally and like make friends with the home and the area around and the way it sounds I live across from like a big canyon so the sound really echoes really strongly through there and that was really influential and the seasons as well like when I started recording it it was in winter and there's just like this heavy blanket of snow outside so it was really like insulated and calm and then when spring came like the skies just opened up and there's these intense thunderstorms that were really like energizing and also calming in a way for me because I love storms but um so do I so do I so that you know the outside world definitely like influenced it but it was a lot about just being in this home finally and capturing the sounds of that as well like the fireplace and the creaking of the floors and things like that and just allowing that to be in the
0: recordings. I love that. I honestly can't stop listening to it, Chelsea. And and that was before Aww. I even knew I was going to have the the great honor of interviewing you. I'm obsessed with this album. And I find it really soothing, even though there's pain that is certainly mm-hmm. woven throughout the songs. I just find it really restorative and comforting. And it's like the kind of album where I put on all my candles and I take a bath. And I Whoa. really, really love it. I think it's really healing
1: that's so cool to hear thank you yeah i mean i always hope that like the healing that i am finding through writing these songs will translate you know to other people as well like that's the ultimate goal really so that's really really good to hear thank you
0: Oh, of course. Of course. And just sticking to landscape for a moment more, I love the music videos that you have that are supplementary to the album. And my favorite Mm -hmm. is uh, for one of my favorite songs off the album, which is Be All Things. Mm. I adore caves I've always loved them since I was a kid and Mm -hmm. some of the shots for that video I mean it looks like you're in some gorgeous cavern I'm assuming you were actually there and it's not green screened or anything right
1: yeah yeah we were there yeah
0: gorgeous
1: where was that if you don't mind sharing yeah it's in northern California it's actually like when I was in elementary school we would take field trips of course and that was one of the field trips we went to was this cavern and it's called Mercer Cavern a friend of mine was working there and allowed us to come in like after hours. And he had a friend who was like a, a drone footage person. So I don't know what to call him. <laughs> like yeah, he had a, a yeah. drone camera, drone camera, yeah. a drone camera operator. I should say. So yeah, my, <laughs> my bandmate, Ben, who also does a lot of like the visual stuff for me and with me, like, yeah, we went down there and he filmed me doing a couple sessions. Like we actually did live sessions down there and thought that we would release it that way. But then I don't know when Be All Things was going to come out. I just felt like this footage of, of the cavern and kind of connected with this footage that we had from doing the album cover shoot with Nona Lemon over in Iceland last year. Mm. So just like connected pieces of this footage. So it was very like DIY and like unplanned that music video, but I am glad that it's coming across good because I just wanted to show like these these beautiful places that I was exploring, you know, while I was writing and recording the record yeah
0: it's so gorgeous because it's it's rare to have access to a space like that Mm -hmm. I mean there's literally sparkling stalactites and stalactites all around you you're on this spiral staircase and I of course I couldn't help but think you were sort of embodying like Persephone or Inanna Mm. like some underworld thonic goddess it's it's a really evocative evocative Mm. set of
1: images oh man it was definitely magical down there like I'll have to release those recordings at some point because it's really humid so I was expecting my voice to just like ring out in this like big reverb you know or something but it was actually really like damp it was almost like I kind of had to fight against the humidity of the space so it was really interesting there's just like water dripping and trickling so you can hear that the whole time but again I just really felt like it was connected to this spot that we had shot in in Iceland my friend Nona a friend of hers took us out to this like ancient crater that basically steam is just coming out of the ground and it's incredibly beautiful and also just very like sparkling and green and gray and like amazing colors but by the end of the shoot like all of us were just, like soaked in this steam water you know yeah. so it almost felt like a nature baptism which was really just like special and important for me.
0: Mm, gorgeous gorgeous
1: on that note we're going to take another
0: quick break and we'll be right back One of my favorite things to do is to attend conferences with like-minded spirits, and that's why I'm so excited about this amazing conference happening in April of 2020 in Hunt Valley, Maryland, with a spectacular lineup of teachers, rituals, and entertainment. Actually, though, it's two conferences in one venue for one registration fee, The Sacred Space Conference and the Between the Worlds Conference are joining forces for some deep magic and great fun. They only do this every several years, so don't miss it. For more information, follow the links at sacredwheel.org and sacredspacefoundation.org. Again, that's sacredwheel.org and sacredspacefoundation.org. And you'll learn more about these two magical conferences in one happening in Maryland on April 9th through 12th, 2020. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Chelsea Wolf. So Chelsea, I have to ask you, because it is a, if not the primary interest of mine, what your relationship is to the word witch these days, whether as an mm-hmm. identity for yourself or a means of creating music, however you care to react to that question. I would love to hear you riff on that
1: for a little bit. It's not a word that I always felt super connected to i've been asked if i was a witch basically since the beginning of my career as a musician and i would brush it off a lot like just because i didn't i don't know like no one in my life had ever called themselves a witch i didn't want to like call myself something that i didn't understand but now i very much do identify in that way and i very much like have a strong practice and have for a few years now i think definitely this year has been like the most like joyous time in my practice because I've taken time off of the road and I've had time to like really actually start some important rituals for myself and celebrate the changing of the seasons but yeah again when I look back it's like I can kind of see that my magic has always been there just like living in the subconscious brought forth by experiences with certain family members also even by like some of my struggles with like sleep paralysis and insomnia because it brought me to this sort of strange place where I felt like I was kind of like in between worlds a little bit, but it wasn't actually until fairly recently that I actually really felt it bubbling up and knew I needed to pay attention and start really like studying. And again, just like, you know, creating my own, my own practice. Yeah. Was it, was it during his spawn or was it getting ready for this album? Do you remember when something shifted for you? I think it definitely was like, coming up to the surface during his fun because like I started understanding that I was doing like shadow work like I said before and you know understanding what that was and Seeing that I actually had been doing that for a long time through music, but just not really knowing it, you know? Yeah. And that album, for listeners who aren't familiar with it,
0: it's gorgeous. It's very different than this new album. It's heavy and droney, and I I find it adjacent to, like, doom metal, kind of. Mm -hmm. I mean, do do you
1: think that's accurate? it's kind of like 90s rock meets doom metal, I think, something like that. Yes, 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 yes. But yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I spent summers at my grandmother's house, and she would practice Reiki on me and aromatherapy, like herbal healing. So I think that those years definitely opened me up to like a connection with the spiritual realm that I hadn't always known. And it wasn't always nurtured over the years for sure, but I definitely feel like it remained in me to guide my intuition because even though I didn't know what exactly or like how to name it, I always knew that I had this connection with like the spirit realm and kind of felt like I could access it pretty easily and someone gifted me a tarot deck when I was in my 20s. I was really into Art Nouveau, and so a friend of mine gave me this Art Nouveau tarot deck. I'm not even sure if they knew like what tarot was. It was just like I got the artwork and eventually looked at a little booklet and to see like how you actually do a reading. And that started like a really important practice of reading tarot for myself that has continued until now and like, gotten a lot stronger pretty recently because every so often I would kind of like take a break from it if I didn't feel like I was connecting with it or something. But yeah, there were just like different things that were gifted to me over the years. It's like my friends and family knew I was a witch before I did because they (laughs) had always like gifted me things that furthered my sort of education without me realizing like a pendulum and the tarot deck. And crystals galore you know so it's it's really cool to look back on
0: and it's funny because I've always considered you one but I try really hard not to choose other people's identities for them but in my head I've definitely classified you
1: that way for sure yeah and I've maybe felt that way for a long time as well I just didn't always again feel comfortable saying that you know Or I just wanted to like know where I was coming from before I actually like proclaimed that title or something for myself. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of
0: sense. I think a lot of people can relate to that where mm-hmm. people feel like, oh, do I know enough? Or do I need mm-hmm. permission? Have I practiced exactly. enough? And, and I think that's that's very respectful too, because you know there are some people who will just take on any old word anytime they feel it. And you know, there's right. nothing totally wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate, yeah. you know, wanting to do your research and and being respectful of the word too. But come on, Chelsea yeah. Wolf, you're a witch <laughs> 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 uh, I feel like if I was one of those shock jock DJs, I would right now have like the one of us, one of us kind of <laughs> like. Oh that yeah. would be incredible. Yeah, I need more sound effects. That's what the Witch Wave needs. Yes. Um, <laughs> but getting back to tarot, you use some tarot imagery in one of your new videos too for American Darkness. And actually, shout mm-hmm. out to my friend and prior Witch Wave pod guest, Gabriella Herstic, who plays mm-hmm. the magician. In that video but you have a lot of other you know kind of tarot elements to that video what what was your intention behind that
1: well I used tarot a lot while I was creating this record you know obviously it's like a really wonderful form of divination or just like daily perspective but I also think that it can be a really strong creative tool and like even when I was trying to figure out what the album cover should be I just couldn't decide between these like two images one of them was the one that got used which is very much like Joan of Arc witchy strong woman and one of them was very much like more subdued like in this like Victorian era hotel room in the little town by where I live and with all my instruments around me and it was a lot like softer and quieter And I just couldn't decide which like feeling to go for and so I pulled a card and I pulled the high priestess and like the album cover just popped into my mind like it just felt connected so it's a good tool for that but I also just have been really appreciating like the newer tarot decks that are more diverse and feature like women only and like people of color and non-binary people and stuff I just think it's like super exciting to see that instead of like traditional cards which are very like absolutely absolutely binary and basic but um obviously like no disrespect,
0: I know, like we're totally with you. I mean, it's been been an amazing evolution. And I think just witchcraft and magic in general has become a lot more intersectional, which is great. Mm -hmm. And it's great that you're so mindful of that too.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to like celebrate that as well. And I was going back and forth with my friend who directed the video, Carlos Frené Ayala, like for a long time about some ideas. And one of the ideas was just to kind of like do a nod to that scene in the, the film Magnolia, where the actors are all like singing along with this um, great Amy Mann song. So, but we wanted it to have like some meaning behind it and some like symbolism behind it. So I suddenly was like, Oh, you know, we should like have these different characters represent different tarot cards. So it kind of seemed like too much to do the whole major arcana. So like, we just were looking for different people. We were just going to cast actors, but then Carlos was like, you have so many amazing magical friends. Like, why don't we ask some of them to be in it? So we started asking around and, So I would just think about a card and think about who I could connect that with. Like, I haven't actually met Gabriella, but we had been reaching out to each other on Instagram and, you know, wanting to meet up and stuff. So, you know, I thought of her as a magician and a friend of mine, Debbie, who's like been a drag king in the past as the emperor because casting this strong woman in this like traditional, like strong male card would be really cool. And. So yeah, I don't know. It just came together like really beautifully and I love how it turned out. Everyone did such a wonderful job.
0: Oh yeah, it's such a striking video and it's in black and white. So it has Mm -hmm. this really iconic kind of classic timeless feel to it too, which I love.
1: Yeah, like I know we could have gone even deeper if it was like color symbolism involved, but we just kind of wanted to keep it simple and do a little bit more of like just everyday magic and like little symbols here and there, like whether it's like my friend Kaylee with her like giant dog, you know, like for the strength card, which is you know usually like a, a woman with a lion, something like that. Just a little simple, like everyday things instead of making it super like highbrow or something.
0: I loved it. I totally loved it. I want to get back to your sleep paralysis. So that's still an issue for you?
1: It is. It's definitely like nowhere near where it used to be especially again when I was living in LA just that the energy and atmosphere there was like very strong so that's where my record abyss came from I was definitely exploring that like in a more conscious purposeful way but over time it's just been kind of a natural influence because I often (laughs) yeah will wake up in the middle of the night or the early morning and like the characters from my dreams are still in the room with me so I actually don't have the kind of sleep paralysis where you're physically paralyzed but one of the versions of sleep paralysis is like having these sort of like shadow figures in the room with you when you wake up and your eyes are open so it's like you're awake but the yeah like the dream world is still there with you so it just kind of created this like connection to a world that I didn't always understand and still don't but much more into just like focusing on channeling that energy into music and not letting it like freaking out <laughs> as course. much anymore. Of course. Well, you know, getting back to witchiness, it makes
0: me think of... Lilith and myths of the succubus and all all these other Mm -hmm. demonesses and um, creatures that allegedly would like sit on the sleeper's chest and paralyze them. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen all those paintings of them too, but yeah, yeah. it seems like a very witchy problem to have. I know, totally. (laughs) It's very true. And do songs come out of that state for you? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think, For a long time, I had this, I felt like I didn't know if I was awake or dreaming even during the day. And I think that that definitely stemmed from not getting enough sleep. And when I was sleeping, I was waking up with these strange figures not knowing what they were and, you know, having a kind of anxiety that came from that. So I think in a very like natural way. Like the songs kind of came out of that. Like it just kind of crept into my music, whether I liked it or not. But as I've gotten older, I basically just like channeled it into music in a more purposeful way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you and I are just a couple years apart. We're both Mm -hmm. people who were teenagers in the 90s. And when you brought up the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, I was like, oh my (laughs) god, I have to ask you about your teen years and some of the other music that you were listening to. I mean, I want to guess that maybe it was like PJ Harvey and the cure and maybe I'm just projecting the stuff I loved onto you but mm-hmm. was it anybody kind of in the 1990s goth rock scene?
1: If I'm totally honest I didn't get into like The Cure and like Susie and stuff like that until I was more in my 20s and a good friend of mine Kristen Cofer who still takes a lot of my photos we lived together for a time and she was just like blasting Coxie Twins and Susie and you know, The Cure all the time. And so that was my introduction to that kind of music was a little bit later. In high school, I was listening to Tricky. Yes. It was like my main jam, um, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, Radiohead, Queens of the Stone Age has always been a big favorite of mine. So a lot of dudes, huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no,
0: I, I don't mean that from a critical standpoint. I'm just surprised.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I, I mean, I definitely... Loved PJ Harvey and I loved Bjork, and again I was listening to like a lot of old country artists that were women as well, and always loved like Dolly Parton and Wanda Jackson, and and then later I got into like L7 and stuff as well, and obviously Garbage because uh, Number One Crush was like my jam. (laughs) 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 There's definitely a lot of women in there too. I don't know. That that's just what came to mind. I'm sure there's a lot of things that I'm forgetting. Totally. And were you writing music as a teenager? Yeah, I was writing music from the time I was about nine because my dad had a little home studio, and I was writing poems at an even earlier age, and at some point just kind of asked him to help me figure out how to put those words to songs, and I had two older sisters, and they would kind of like sing backup, like we had little girl groups, and (laughs) yeah, so I was writing songs at a young age, and just kept writing over the years. I never really like did anything with them until I was in my 20s, but... I was always writing.
0: I have this sneaking suspicion that you are a lot funnier than people might assume. And I'm <laughs> getting that from not just talking to you, but also like your early songs, Gene Wilder and Bounce mm. House Demons and stuff. And I don't know. Like I was just curious for those earlier songs, if you were trying to infuse more of a spirit of like silliness for lack of a better word, or at least allude oh, for sure. to that.
1: Yeah, I love that you picked up on that. Actually, like some of that record was kind of in response to like people saying that I took myself too seriously, like people that didn't know me. It was a response to a lot of stuff. But yeah, there's definitely like some some silliness in there. And I've always felt like comedy and darkness are like very intertwined. And there's like this thin line between them, you know, like I think people who have like traumatic childhoods, you know, often end up as comedians and often end up as musicians. So they're kind of like related in a way, but I mean, I, I don't think I'm a funny person, but I definitely appreciate comedy and like, I love to laugh. And my drummer, Jess is like one of my best friends and we are just like, that's tour is just like constant laughter, you know, it's, it's really fun. So I've seen people like comments on photos of me before. Like you never smile. Like it's weird that you take yourself so seriously. And I'll just comment back. Like, actually there was a lot of smiles behind the scene. Like I, Definitely don't take myself seriously. I do take my music seriously, though, because that's like my shit,
0: you know, but it's such a pleasure to hear you talk about this stuff, because I do think a lot of people probably assume you're super fucking serious all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way, especially most of my friends who wear a lot of black and have a real mm-hmm. romantic or like gothic aesthetic tend to be some of the funniest, warmest people I know. So yeah, I just had yeah, a sneaking exactly. suspicion about you.
1: <laughs> <I'm> totally.
0: <laughs> awesome. Now, you are currently on tour. I have the good fortune of getting to see you live myself soon. I can't wait because I actually haven't Mm -hmm. caught you yet. So that's going to be completely amazing. And where can people find out more about you and the tour and your new album?
1: So my main website is just ChelseaWolf.net. I've got all my tour dates on there and all the links to the new album and where to find it. Hopefully you can find it in your local record store as well my bandmate Ben and I are going to go on tour around North America. And then next spring, we'll be going over to Europe. So hopefully we can connect in person as well.
0: Absolutely. And then this tour is going to be more stripped down. Is that true? Like, is it going to be literally less musicians on stage? Because when I think acoustic,
1: I think like, Chelsea Wolf unplugged. (laughs) It is. It's my version of that for sure. There, you know, won't be any drums or, you know, lead guitar players or anything like that. It's just going to be me with my acoustic and Ben will be playing some keyboards and some backing stuff a little bit of backing guitar but it's definitely a lot more stripped down you know we're playing a lot of the new record but we're also playing some of the older songs even the heavier songs like I'm just doing these really sort of like intimate (laughs) stripped down versions of them so yeah it's going to be definitely very vulnerable and scary at first but I'm also really excited about the idea of this this totally new experience and connecting with the songs and with the audience in a new
0: way well I'm so excited for them I'm so excited for me on a personal note to of. Have- my very favorite songs of yours that are a lot older are Half Sleeper and Flatlands. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Mm -hmm. they're kind of early predecessors to the new record in some way. So I'm really excited to hear this Fireside Chelsea Wolf. (laughs) I think it's going to be gorgeous.
1: That's cool. Thank you. I'm actually going to play both of those songs. I haven't played Flatlands on stage in a really long time. So... That one will definitely be in there and half-sleeper as well. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) Cool, me too.
0: Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. This was an absolute thrill and an honor. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, it was an honor for me too. Thank you so much.
0: That's it for the show. Thank you again to Chelsea Wolf for her inspiring words and exquisite music. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the Witchwire. The Witch Wave is produced and recorded by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was edited by Rachel Jacobs. Thank you, Rachel, and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Chiquita Pascal, and Janica Stuckey. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, and now you can buy Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us lots and lots and lots! of sparkly stars. It really makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at witchwavepod, and check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the app store. And please consider ordering my book, Waking the Witch, available everywhere now. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.